Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. One week from today, we have a very special service in our church. We are having Women's Day on Sunday, October 8th. Uh, The morning worship will be led by several different women in our church, and Samantha Collins will be providing us with her testimony on Sunday morning. And so we look forward to that uh, one week from today. The Missions Committee wants to thank you for your great response to the North Carolina Mission Offering. A large part of it is going to help North Carolina Baptist men as they help people hurt by the hurricanes. Our goal that we set last year before the hurricanes came was $3,000, and that was pretty ambitious. So far, our church has given $4,000. $157, and I urged Heidi to go on and send it in so it could be helping people right now. But we always leave it open for a while, and so if you've not given yet, or as you keep seeing the news, if you would like to give some more, place your offering in one of these yellow envelopes And if you've used them up on your pew, that's wonderful. And so just write on any envelope or go by the church office and hand it to Heidi and she will continue to send that in to help with these hurricane victims. And so we have a two minute special clip from a celebrity. Lots of you know Tim Tebow, the football player who used to kneel and pray and get considerable criticism. He's helping North Carolina Baptist men in the Keys, and he'd like to thank you too if you look at the screens. North Carolina churches, what's up guys? This is Tim Tebow. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for what you're doing for um, you know the keys here right now, but also just the entire state of Florida. You've gone above and beyond, and we thank you so much. And um, in a time like this, when storms hit and disaster comes, um, this is an opportunity where you can really show what you're all about and what Jesus is all about. Because this is our time to stand up and love people and show that it's not just something that we say on Sundays. It's not just something that we do in church or in Sunday school. It's how we live every day. You know, we're called to do two things: to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people. And I'm so grateful that you're stepping up to love people in so many different ways but there's still so much more that that we can do together and so I continue to ask that you um, support and care and come because there's so many people that need your help Um, but God bless we thank you for everything that you've done you're really making a difference and you're changing a bunch of lives and for that I'm so very grateful God bless you guys today we gather around God's table from near and far Though we differ in language, custom, and tradition, for there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We are one, and together we remember our Lord Jesus. Christ gave himself up for us. We are reconciled to God. Our hymn is number 366, Let Us Break Bread Together, 366. If you are able, please stand and join in singing. 
be seated. I invite the children to come forward for a lesson on the steps. <laughs> How many of you know what this is? Do I need to ask? What is this, Jones? A happy meal. And how do you feel when you get a happy meal? Happy. And what's inside my box, you reckon? Food. Well, not exactly today because you know what? McDonald's doesn't serve breakfast. But what else is in the box besides food, do you think? A what? You don't know? What else do you get besides maybe chicken nuggets and french fries? You get a prize. And I don't know what this is, but it moves. So this is my prize. So when we get a Happy Meal, we feel really good, don't we? We eat our cheeseburger and we eat our french fries and drink our chocolate milk and we just feel so good inside. But then what happens a little bit later on in the day? Do we get hungry again? We do, don't we? And then we don't have anything to fill us up. Just like going to the fair. How many of you been to the fair already? Haven't. You haven't been yet? This one has, but she might not have enjoyed everything. She's there to cheer. Can you hand me that piece of paper? But today, do you see this picture? <clears throat> what is that picture of? Uh, a, moon. a moon? But what are all these people? Are they children? They are children around the world. But today, all the adults and all the children and the young people who have taken Jesus into their heart, they're going to share a special day today. They're going to share communion, and that's what's under that tablecloth. They're going to take a piece of bread and a sip of wine. And that's what Jesus left for us to be able to remember him and that's sort of like a happy meal, maybe, to you, because it fills us up and it makes us feel so good inside. But you know what happens? Jesus' feelings in our heart never, ever goes away. Sometimes we do something we may not be happy about and we think God might not love us anymore, but he always loves you every single day. And every time you say, dear Jesus, thank you for this day, he's right there in your heart. So just remember as you begin each day and as you look and <clears throat> listen today as we learn to participate and we take part in the Lord's Supper, that the adults and the children and the youth who've taken Jesus into their heart know that he is filling their spirit He's filling up their love and he will always be there. And everybody all over the world today, just like these children, are participating in the Lord's Supper, which means somebody in Japan, Alaska, Boiling Springs. We're all taking a part of Jesus and letting it fill us up. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. It is what we call the gift of fall. You step outside, you feel the chill, you see the beautiful blue sky. And we all need to say thank you for this day. Thank you that we have this church. 
We have these families. We have our family of God to lift us up and keep us safe. Bless these children, their families, and keep them safe. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Alan mentioned earlier, and as you saw on the front of your order of service, today is World Communion Sunday. You may be interested to know that the first World Communion Sunday was observed on the first Sunday in October in 1940. The idea came from Jesse Barker, a Disciples of Christ minister who was the Executive Secretary of the Department of Evangelism of the Federal Council of Churches. The idea was soon picked up by other denominations and has been going strong ever since. Always a day to encourage a sense of ecumenical fellowship around the world, early on congregations were also encouraged to make it a rally day by filling the pews to their Easter and Christmas capacities. All members were encouraged to attend worship and to get back in the habit of regular attendance. Not a bad idea for us either. In more recent years, World Communion Sunday has been a day when we focus our attention on remembering our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world and at the table of the Lord. Many denominations and congregations around the world will be celebrating the Lord's Supper today. And I hope that we'll be reminded of our unity with them as we all strive to communicate the gospel in our respective communities. And may we also be reminded of the commonality we share with other faith traditions that there is one God of us all. If you would go with me to that God in prayer at this time. Gracious God, we come together as Christians from all over the world to share in the bounty of your table. We gather to share the cup of life and the bread that provides strength for our journey. We gather speaking many languages and worshiping you in ways unique to our culture and heritage. But in our diversity, there is unity. Nowhere else, loving God, are we made more aware of how interconnected we are than at the table. The bread and cup, symbols of Christ's broken body, speak to us of the broken bodies in the world today. And so we offer our lives and our spirits, knowing that even in our brokenness, we can bring about healing and wholeness in your name. On this World Communion Sunday, we lift our prayers to you, knowing that you already hear the yearnings of our hearts. We lift prayers for our global neighbors, especially those living in fear or poverty, and for the victims of hurricanes and earthquakes, and for those who have lost hope. Give us the courage to recognize and name the pain of our global and local neighbors and to reach out where we can. We lift prayers for our earth that we share together and that you have entrusted to us to nurture and care for. We lift prayers for those close to us, some of whom we name in our hearts. The sick, the addicted, 
the abused, the depressed, and those grieving some loss in their life. May they be comforted and fed by the bread and cup of new life. We lift prayers for ourselves and for our society that puts so much worth on material wealth and possessions. Free us so that we can learn to receive and give with equal joy. Pour out your spirit upon all nations of the earth for all the blessings in our lives and for your promise to always be with us, we lift our prayers of praise and thanksgiving. Amen. Last Sunday, we added a new hymn to our repertoire at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. And I must say that all of you in attendance were very good sports and quick learners. The tune, the hymn text, that the tune to the hymn text of We All Are One in Mission, the, one, the tune that we used was known as Complainer. So last week, you know, I made a joke saying that it was probably named that because of a congregation complaining about learning a new tune. But as you probably guessed, that's not the case. I did some research regarding this tune and I would like to share with you what I discovered. The tune, Complainer, is attributed to the American collector of traditional Southern tunes, William Walker, who was born in 1809 and died in 1875. It first appeared in the 1835 hymn book, Southern Harmony, that William Walker compiled. William Walker has a lot of connections in this area, especially in the Spartanburg area. But as you may remember from last Sunday, it's a very upbeat major key tune. And, but this tune was located on page 18 in Southern Harmony, and curiously, it is set to the words, I am a great complainer that bears the name of Christ. It's a five stanza, blue side of life hymn from which the tune's name is derived. It seems to have been the only use of that tune in a denominational hymnal until about 1966, when it began to make a re-entry into hymnals of various denominations and usually with different harmonizations. Since that time, it has only gained in popularity. My guess is the reason for that is because of its early American sound. Over the last few years, you probably have noticed that there has been a resurgence in popularity of all kinds of early American tunes in various genres of music, not just in hymnody. So I invite you now to join me in singing the ever-popular tune, Complainer, using the hymn text that we learned last week, We All Are One in Mission. And just so you know, this hymn can be found in the Celebrating Grace hymnal. Today you will find both the text, both in your order of service and on the screens, the text of the hymn. And soon when we get the new hymnals, you'll be able to see the tune as well. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing, We All Are One in Mission.
Please pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful day that you've given us, this beautiful place to worship you in. And all you ask is just to give us a little back of what you've, what you've given us. Please bless these tithes and offering. Multiply them for your work. And remember, <clears throat> remind us to also give our time and our talents to you as well. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir, and the accompanists, and candy. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Colossians 4, 7 through 18. This is a unique text this morning. Invariably, the number one question that I get when I ask deacons or others to read Scripture in the service, if they come back with a question, a lot of times it's just, sure, I'll read, and then they later read the text, and they said, you didn't tell me it had so many hard names in it. Or invariably, the question will be, does it have hard words or hard names in it? Well, this morning's text does have a few of those, and so I have just chosen to read that and to not burden someone with that uh, task this morning. So uh, I think the words will be on the screen, but uh, this is Paul's ending, his greeting, final greetings and benediction, if you will, to the church in Colossae. Um, again, Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a beloved brother, a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom I have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, greets you. These are the only ones of the circumcision among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been of great comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. He is always wrestling in his prayers on your behalf so that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. For I testify for him that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you read also the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you complete the task that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. Let's pray once again. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to be into your house. We pray you would still our hearts and our minds to hear that word from you before we partake of the bread and the cup this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. As we begin this morning, I would like to encourage you to go back with me, if you will, in your mind to first century when Rome ruled the world. Christianity would not have been one of the major world religions of this day, but some claimed during this time that an obscure Galilean Jew was the Jewish Messiah that he lived a sinless life, that he died upon the cross, that he was buried in the tomb for three days, and that he rose again. But if you were to ask the common man on the street, they would not be able to tell you much about this newfound faith called Christianity. And into this scene now comes a small little Jewish man named Paul. He had an incredible vision uh, from Jesus Christ uh, when he was converted and came to know the Lord. Uh, from there, he was consecrated and commissioned to go and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of the Gentile world. An enormous task. Well, how does he do it? 
How does he do it? He's in a day and age where there's no mass media, there's no TV and radio broadcast, there's no Sherman parishes delivering DVDs and CDs to the congregations in Jerusalem, uh, there's no Roger Lowe putting words and messages on a sign out front of the temple uh, or putting messages on the screen above the doors. And so into this environment steps Paul, this environment where there's no printing press, there's no internet, there's no social media, uh, there's no post office or front office help for that matter to help with bulk mailings. There's no Heidi or Betsy, if you will, okay? There's no rapid transportation systems, there's no eight lane highways, there's no trains, and there's no jets. And Paul, in this environment, is commissioned to take the message of Jesus Christ to all of the world. One very important aspect in how Paul did this is he did not do it alone. Paul had a team, some of which, some of whose names have been read and mentioned already this morning. The truth be told, there's probably times in all of our lives when we have stepped out on our own thinking that we were the best man or the best woman for the task at hand, and we had some success, maybe limited success in what we were doing, only to realize later what we could have done had we worked together as a team with other people. Every good coach, every good pastor, every good school principal, every farmer, every surgical doctor and military leader knows the importance of a good team where each member is doing the task that they are assigned and gifted to do. Paul had his team. Did you catch them in the scripture that I read this morning? He had many others as well. This week I found over 70 names of people who were significant in Paul's ministry. Some of which he only brings, he mentions in greetings, but these were people, uh, these 70, who played some role in Paul's mission to take the gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world. Today let's look at just a few of these key players in Paul's team. Did you catch the first one in the passage we read? Tychicus. We don't have too many Sunday school lessons on Tychicus. He was another traveling companion of Paul, Paul's messenger to the Ephesians, the Colossians, and Titus. Today's text says about Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant. He mentions Onesimus. We know a little bit more about Onesimus. He was a slave that's talked about in Philemon. Scripture says a faithful and beloved brother. Again, a slave belonging to Philemon, but converted to Christianity by Paul, who calls him in Philemon, verse 10, a son. There was Aristarchus, also a traveling companion of Paul, a fellow prisoner and a fellow worker of Paul. Mark, who was a cousin of Barnabas there in Colossians 4.10, we read this morning, involved in preaching to the church in Colossae. Paul calls him useful in my ministry. There was Jesus, who was called Justice, who we know very little, if nothing about. Scripture does say after his name, though, with his name and others, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me, Paul's words. He also mentions Epaphras, and this is one I would like to do further study on this week as I was introduced to Epaphras. He was a native of Colossae. He is from Colossae and Paul's beloved fellow servant who probably founded the church community there in his hometown. Today's text says shortly after Epaphras, says that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis, two cities that were very close and near to Colossae. The scripture that we read this morning also mentions Luke, the beloved physician. He is the author of the gospel and he is also the author of Acts. 
Paul mentions Demas as being a part of the team. He mentions Nympha, a lady, uh, and it says in scripture, the church that is in her house, a Christian who hosts the community of believers in Colossae, Paul greets her and the church in her house. Archippus, a great encourager to Paul. If we step outside of the Colossians passage this morning, we think of other names that are significant to Paul, some of which you have studied more about, maybe in Sunday school or in Bible study. We know of Titus, who worked very closely with Paul. We know of Zenos, the lawyer. Everybody needs a good lawyer on their team, right? No matter what your task or your job may be, that's important. We know of Barnabas, who was a senior partner to Paul. That's who I would say in the top three or four names, if we talked about Paul's team, this name would come up, the name of Barnabas. A senior partner to Paul, a great encourager. Everybody needs a Barnabas. I'm grateful for the Barnabases that are in my life, and I hope you have some in yours as well. Timothy. Paul's closest assistant. His name is mentioned 22 times in the New Testament. He's a co-author and the deliverer of six of Paul's letters. Paul variously calls Timothy my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. A great mentor, great relationship with Paul and Timothy. We think of Apollos, described as an eloquent and knowledgeable of Scripture. There's Aquila and Priscilla. There's Carpus, a possible librarian. Paul left his books and parchments with him at Troas. There's Erastus, a city treasurer in Corinth. A Lydia, a female merchant from the seller of purple cloth from Thyatira that we've heard about. There's Phoebe, the deacon of the church, probably the one who delivered Paul's letter to the Roman church. And then there's this little guy named Tertius who is recorded as Paul's secretary in Romans 16.22, who sends his own greetings to the Christians in Rome. He says, I, Tertius, write, the writer of this letter, greet you in the Lord. Paul pulled it off. I mentioned Paul had an enormous task into this first century world where Rome ruled the world. He was commissioned to go and take the message of the gospel to all the Gentile world, an enormous task. And yet he pulled it off, despite all the limitations that I mentioned earlier. He communicated the message of Jesus and was the key player in birthing the Christian church. How did he do it? Well, we know from what we've read that he didn't do it alone. Now, where do we go with this list? You're saying, all right, Keith, you've given us a bunch of names and and people who did lots of different things, um, who helped Paul, who helped one another spread the good news. But how can, the question I guess is, how can we get the message of God's love in Jesus Christ throughout Boiling Springs and beyond? My answer to that question would be the same way that Paul did. Paul doesn't give us the complete picture, but he gives us a very valuable one that we can learn from and grow from and apply to our lives and to our setting here. This team of people show us that Paul was not a one-man show. I think we can all look back on our lives and have to confess times where we thought we were God's answer or, or the businesses or the community's answer to a certain problem, only to look back, like I said, and see what we could have done had we worked with others. Paul reached his world and did what he did, setting up churches throughout, um, through a team of believers who were using their gifts to help advance the gospel. The good news is that God desires to do great things here through Bowling Springs Baptist Church. What is your gift? Maybe you're like someone that's on Paul's team. Are you that traveling companion like Tychicus? You come alongside others that are leading and encourage them, provide for their needs. Are you that faithful friend or are you the evangelist? What about the encourager? Are you that Barnabas for others that are leading and that are serving? 
Are you like several mentioned that have the gift of welcoming others into their home, the gift of hospitality? I'm grateful that here at Bowling Springs in the last two years, we have had now a total of five families that are housing a Divinity School student. And at times there may be more than that because there may be one that just needs lodging for a week. I'll get an email and then I'll get the word out and there'll be a response and somebody says, yes, I can host that student for this week. Maybe are you more like the merchant, Lydia, the seller of purple cloth, and maybe you use your business, you use your day-to-day job as a way to advance the kingdom of God and to share and to show his love with others. Maybe you're the lawyer or one uh, like a lawyer who is, is, is involved and knowledgeable of the details like Zenos. Maybe you're the physician like Luke or the teacher of scripture like Apollos or the librarian like Carpus. Tonight in the LEC at 615, we're gonna have what we call a ministry party. And this is an opportunity for all of our church members and regular guests to come and to learn more about the different ministries and explore these different ministries. Talk to ministry leaders all while eating a cake and ice cream. This sounds like a great time. As Paul had over 70 key members of his team, the task that you and I have been given to reach Boiling Springs and beyond and to help others grow in their faith is something that I or others or one other in the church could not do alone, but it's something that we have been called to as a team. We speak of Paul's team, but ultimately it's God's team. And the great message is that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ are a part of this same team. We have been given the responsibility to carry this message of hope, love, and forgiveness to a world that is in desperate need. Today as we partake of communion, we sit at the table with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world who are gifted in various ways as well, who are also part of this same team. Today we sit and share the bread and the cup with fellow believers in the jungle of South America. Those Christians living in the Alps in Europe, the deserts of Africa or the frozen tundra in Russia. Today we share the bread and the cup with different nationalities and different ethnicities. As I conclude, we're gonna show a video. And And the video does a great job in reminding us that the cross of Christ and its message of forgiveness is for all people in all places. At the conclusion of the video, I do ask that our deacons who will be leading in communion to make their way to the front. Let's see this video.
Christians make their way to the front and as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper, let us think for just a moment about what it means. The Lord's Supper is a memorial that reminds us of the body and the blood of Jesus as he died upon the cross for the sins of the world. It does not play a role in our salvation. Communion reminds us to take an inward look. Paul wrote in the scripture that we often read at, this, at such a time, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. Paul wrote, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. We should not come to the table too quickly. We should look within if there are sins that need to be confessed and repented of. We should also take a backward look. Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us not forget what brings us to the table. But let us also take an outward look, an outward look to our fellow man. Matthew 5, 23 through 24 reminds us that if our brother has anything against us, we should leave our offering at the altar and make peace with him. We are not to receive the Lord's Supper with bitterness and unforgiveness toward our fellow man in our heart. And lastly, we are to take a forward look because as we go forth from this place, we show forth the Lord's death until he comes. If you are here today and you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are invited to participate in communion. As the cup and, and the bread are handed out, we ask that you hold those and we will partake of those together. As I pray in just a moment, I'm gonna pause. And in the midst of that pause, if there is sin that needs to be confessed, if there are thoughts and prayers that need to be prayed, then I would encourage you to do that at that time. Let's pray together. We table this morning with our fellow believers from around the world. We are grateful that you have counted us worthy to be called your children. As we look upon the bread and the cup, may we remember why you died to cleanse and to heal. God, we come now confessing sin and looking into our own lives. God, we are grateful for your endless love and boundless grace. Consecrate this time by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he writes, the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat together. He later tells us in the same manner, he also took the cup, saying this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Let us drink together. At this time, we're gonna sing a hymn and invite you to stand. If you are here today and maybe there's a, a need, the Lord has spoken to your heart and you would like to respond in some way, we would like to invite you to do that at this time. If you'd like to talk with me about church membership or other need, I will be here and be happy to receive you and talk with you. Let us stand and sing together. Number 371.
always acknowledge guests today, but I'm gonna, I got embarrassed before sitting right back there with my wife. But when I think of a team um, in Rule Hall, when I was in Rule Hall, the four sitting back there with my wife were a part of that team uh, that I talked about in Rule Hall. And they are now a part of a new team, uh, a new work that has begun there. Uh, the church that I was a part of has morphed with another church. And uh, they are a part of a great new work that's reaching young lives there in Rule Hall, just north of Winston-Salem. And so I'm glad that you guys are here today. And like I said, I don't always embarrass guests, but I wanted to take that opportunity since I know you very well to embarrass you good this morning. So, um, But we're glad that you're here today. Please take advantage of the opportunities this evening. Five o'clock begins a Reformation study with Dr. Kent Blevins in the Lighthouse Room. At 6.15, we'll have a ministry party in the LEC. Um, it'll be cake and ice cream, a great opportunity to explore, look at care ministry, food pantry, youth ministry, music ministry, uh, our adult ministry. I mean, I could go on and on, but uh, come if you can tonight at 615 and learn more about those important ministries. But um, I'm grateful that God calls all of us, as imperfect as we are, to join together and to be a part of his team as we worship and as we serve together. Thank you for being here this morning.